And welcome to Panic Mode, the podcast for gamers and game designers with your host. It's uh, it's just me today. It's just Shelby. But to make up for it, I have a very, very special guest. His name is Rishi Barnwall, and he is in his final semester of game development at Sheridan College. And he's actually working on a very special game right now called The Whites of Their Eyes that we're going to be getting into a little bit today. But for now, all you need to know is he is a wonderful person, a wonderful friend, and he's extremely passionate about talking about race, which is awesome because today's episode is going to be specifically focusing on race and discussions around it in video games and the industry. So Rishi, hello, thank you so much for being here. Wow, that, that was a lot to follow. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, so of right off right off the bat, I want to say that my favorite representations of race in video games are uh, Gran Turismo, Forza, and Need for Speed. Oh, well, I think I think you nailed all the big ones, really. <laughs> Do you get do you get it? It's cause yes, it's cause yes, they're yes. racing racing. Okay, sorry. <laughs> so that was a that was a race joke? All right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> opening opening strong. Um yeah. <laughs> That's it. That's the episode. That's it. Okay. Yeah. So that was our discussion of race. Thank you so much for tuning in. <laughs> oh yeah. man. Perfect. All right. It's good to start. Uh, it's good to start light yep. in a way, you know, cause I know that these discussions are, are so important and, and they can be serious, but I think for a good reason, a friend of mine was actually, we were just talking about how, you know, race, especially integrating representation in video games, it should be work. You know what I mean? In the sense that it takes it takes effort to understand and to empathize and to do the work to to get it right, to hire the people that you need to hire to to create these amazing stories and characters. You know what I mean? And that's that's not easy and it shouldn't have to be easy. Um, but that's OK because it's worth it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, especially since considering that I might get into a lot of trouble for saying this, but the game development industry is just for the longest time has been you know, verifiably non-diverse. Yeah. And um, the only way to have more diverse representation in roles is by hiring more diverse people. I think I think the best way to have more diverse stories and diverse roles in video, like within video games, is to have more diverse people make them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I fully agree. I mean, who who can tell a story better than someone who has experienced that story? You know what I mean? Exactly. And- that's not to say that a team can't come together and, and learn from one another, you know what I mean? But the the core of that team needs to be a multitude of, of people and experiences, um, and they can all work together and, and tell stories in, in so many different wonderful ways. Um, so basically, let's start off with kind of what you kind of opened up with, basically. Let's let's acknowledge the problem that is currently currently plaguing this industry. <laughs> <laughs> It's a plague. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. A, it's a bad time. Yeah, uh, you know, I, can... I don't think I don't think that joke is valid with COVID nineteen going on at the same time. I think that's a very good point. For... <laughs> this is why you're here. <laughs> Acknowledge the problems, such yeah. as bad jokes. So some some issues that that we're going to kind of be going over today is that you know one the video games themselves, right? Who do we see in video games? Uh, if you, if you look at all of your favorite games there, it's a lot of white people. Like I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Like it's a lot, it's a lot of white people. <laughs> I want to, I want to add on to that and say that it's yeah. not even, it's not just enough to say, who do you see in video games? Because I'll admit that there are more and more diverse roles popping up, but it's who do you see in the spotlight? Yes. Right? Yeah. Who is, a- who is your camera trained on? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Exactly, right? Like, is yeah. it is it the same way that the camera was trained on Lara Croft's booty? <laughs> uh, we're seeing it trained on, you know, specific people, and I think for specific reasons. And those reasons may not be inherently malicious, but what they are is inherently biased, right? Like, we have certain predispositions that aren't great, and we don't want to, like, I guess I don't want to, you know, call anybody, oh, you're a racist because of this or this, but we have racist tendencies. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's a difference between being outwardly malicious and being, being ignorant and neither are excusable, but, but learning to be better is like the real goal of all of this. One of my favorite sociologists, Alan G. Johnson, which I hope we'll talk about him more later, but he mentions how having these these biases these inherent you know like what in the context of making games making making a character that looks like you as a white person doesn't make it it doesn't make you a racist person but what you are doing could be considered racist in that sense the action and the person are completely separate Mm -hmm. and the person must work consciously to fight that bias yeah yeah that's a really i like that that phrase of you need to, you need to work consciously. Right. And that comes back to, you you have to put in work. Like it's, it's hard and that's okay. Like nothing, well, not nothing, but like, you know, things that are worth doing are often difficult. Um, so that's just, yeah, all the more power for people to, to be like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm working on it. Right. I'm working on it my whole life. I know that you and I are really big on, on learning and trying to work on this all of the time, not just even for race, but for, but for gender, for, issues of like ableism and and all of these different things intersectionality really even <laughs> even, even age comes into play too yes, when was the yeah. when was the last time you played a game playing as an old person yeah exactly yeah. exactly um and of course they exist but like you said right it's who's in the spotlight it's who who are we not seeing at the same time um so maybe maybe let's fire off some statistics here to to get into this idea of who are we seeing. Um, so there's an article done by Rain Radford Burns, and they did an article called Gender and Race Representation at E3 in 2019. So E3 is like the big games, games demo of the year, and this was for last year. And they categorized all of these different games and broke them down in terms of not only gender, but also race. And the, the, I guess the big statistic that we can kind of pay attention to here is that 27% of the protagonists found in the games were Caucasian, while 3%, which is only two video games, actually featured African-Americans as, as lead characters. Um, so I think the rest of the games that you're seeing there that are not accounted for that other, you know, 60, 70% is because you could create your own character. Um, you were, you were an animal, you were a non, a non-human character. Um, so what is, what is that? Uh, I don't know. How does that make you feel Rishi that 27% were, were Caucasian? Well, first of all, I want to add that as a proud Indian person, uh, once again, I'm not even on this graph. You're um, not, you're, you're <laughs> not listed at all. Like, at I all. think, uh, it's yeah, here, let me read off the categories. We've got <laughs> we've got none. <laughs> we've got Caucasian, African American, player choice, ambiguous, and multiple. <laughs> oh, yeah. Those are the categories. Uh where do I where do I even begin? See seeing graphs like this is good. It means it means people are thinking about it. And that's what I really like to see. But this is this is part of acknowledging the problem, right? It's the first step. Now now that people are more aware of, you know. The statistics of how many people 
uh, how many how many characters you see in games that are actually white i i would i just want to see more trends in the opposite direction you know see yeah. see more stories of indian people in games uh for example the only the only game i can think of right now that had an indian person as a main character was uh assassin uh, what was it called i think it was called assassin's creed uh chronicles where a portion of the game you played as an indian assassin but it's not one of their main titles it was a side scroller and it didn't do any well or it oh, didn't do yeah yeah yeah, I remember that one. They didn't they have like a China one as well, and then I think you could play as a she was a woman in that one. You could play as a, a mm. cool a cool assassin there. Yeah, that's interesting. So it was it was like a it was like an afterthought. Oh, well, not an afterthought, but a yeah. smaller a smaller branch of a bigger game. Especially you know India is so beautiful. Like why not set an Assassin's Creed game there? Right, absolutely. Like ancient Indian civilization was rich and amazing. Uh, it was it was an amazing culture, and I'm not being biased at all. It just is. Sorry. <laughs> it just is. Oh no, that's it just, it just is. <laughs> Yeah. Um. And it, it's just ripe for placing uh an assassin there, and even contextually within the games, it makes sense. I mean, the first where was the first game set in Syria? But the the regions are close. Yeah. Exactly. Because yeah. they did yeah. Egypt. Yeah. Um, exactly. So it's it's totally possible to continue, you know, branching out and and visiting other places that aren't European countries. <laughs> Cough, cough, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, cough. Yeah, what's up, Valhalla? I mean, I like Vikings, so... Oh, yeah, who doesn't like Vikings? Who do, right, who doesn't like... I guess that's what they... They were, like, in their marketing meeting, they yeah. were like, guys, Vikings, and everyone was like, I really can't argue with that. Yeah, that's, and, then that's the one, and then the one guy in the corner was just like, Indian Rajputs, and... <laughs> And then they were the, like, and, "Sorry, what?" Yeah, and then the he, the the head of the meeting was like, "Did someone say something?" <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, sorry. And there's like a Viking like drum going off in the yeah. background or something. Like it's too late. It's too late. <laughs> oh man. The mob has spoken. Yeah, exactly. Right. Oh man. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this this idea of creating not only non Caucasian characters, but yeah, characters who are who are indian who are of different different asian descents right like we we so often see you're either like white a white person or you're like coded as a white person even though you're from so you're like you're whitewashed basically um or your your skin is lightened to to do that i know um which resident evil game did that resident evil 5 <laughs> i think it was 5 <laughs> let me look it up <laughs> Oh yeah. Okay. So they had, right. So Resident Evil five, they had a character, her name was Shiva and she basically got a lot of criticism because of like the racial and gendered stereotypes attached to her. Um, she was very light skinned despite like they clearly wanted her to be like a racial partner to like the main character. Um, and it was kind of just a bad, it was a bad, it was a bad time basically. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so we can kind of, that's where people were kind of like, oh, well, like, what are you doing was kind of the question, right? Yeah. So I think a lot of the time that's the question is, what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. And it, go, and, and it can go a little more subtle than that too. Cause I want to preface this with saying that I absolutely love Final Fantasy VII more than any other game. It's, it's one of the first games I've ever played. It holds, it, it's a special part of my childhood, but Barrett is an example of race representation that could have been done better mm -hmm. because he does he fits the stereotype for how Japan sees black men uh this hulking eight, 7 foot tall i think he's actually 7 feet tall canonically se 7 foot tall oh. brute 
who who's just all muscle who's all muscle speaks in a speaks in um very stylized like uh heavy air quotes ghetto slang and oh, uses yeah. uses a gun and that's pretty co- it, it, it's a very common trope in anime and just japanese media in general so just because a character is of color doesn't necessarily mean that it's done well yes oh yeah. i think that's so that's such a good point because there's there's also this um this idea that they're like you have the white model right yeah. and then you just change their skin tone and you're like done people of yeah. color and it's like okay that's you're mm. welcome <laughs> yeah you're welcome we crushed it we figured yeah. out how skin tones work it's like <laughs> all right uh that's not really that's not really what yeah. you're talking about and i think i think that comes back to as well what we said at the very beginning is that you need to hire people who are just just full of like diverse backgrounds from from everywhere right they yeah. all look a different way they all bring these different experiences with them and then they can design these characters right it's not yeah. just one character artist who makes a white model and then they're like Kate and yeah. here's the black version it's like what are what are you talking about <laughs> that's not how RGB this value the RGB value from 255 to, to like 150 done yeah right self high yeah. five 10 out of yeah. 10 yeah. oh man but that also this was something else that I wanted to bring up in terms of the subtleness of, of some of this stuff. And that's character creators where you can create your own character. You can, you can make them to be whatever they want. A lot of the time, and this is going to sound so nitpicky, but I want to explain why it's not. <laughs> it, it is, but it's not. But the default is often white and male, right? You like load up that character creator and it's like a, it's a white person that you're yep. looking at. And this doesn't seem like a big deal because you can just change them to be whatever you want, right? Like you can give them whatever hairstyle, facial structure, all that fun stuff, their outfit. Um, but the reason it's a big deal is because we already assume that white is the default, right? White is at the center of everything. It's the the one that holds all the power. It's the dominant, the dominant thing that we think of. And part of the reason why, and although it is, you know, it's a small part, but part of what upholds that structure is seeing a white person as the default when you want to load in your own like random character, you know, like that it's not doing anything to tear down this system. It's helping yeah. to uphold it. And even though that's such a tiny part in the, in the system, it's still, it's still there. And I think it still feeds into these, these ideas that we have. It may seem like such a nitpicky thing that you, you start, with some with like a pre preloaded character that's white, you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. it contributes to this idea that white is the default. Like it doesn't do anything to challenge that. It's just and that that's what makes it so easy to accept it. You know what I mean? Is you see yeah. the thing you've seen your whole life and you're like, yep, that seems fine. Mm-hmm. Um and and it's it it's not. It's not fine. And I know that sounds so silly to say because it's it's a character creator. You know what I mean? But it's, it is important. Like all of these things feed into each other to create how we see and understand the world. And if we start changing even just a few of them, that can have a big impact. At least I believe, I very optimistically believe that that can have a big impact, especially years down the road. One, one of the other subtleties of including race in games, uh, not just from like, um, you know, for the lack of a better word, a political standpoint, but from just an actual development standpoint that a lot of people neglect is uh this wasn't really talked about that much but skyrim when it first came out the lighting models they used were not suited to really display dark skin characters to the extent that they should have been 
in Skyrim, if you were a lighter skinned character, your your face looked normal. You know, uh, the shadows appeared properly. You could see your jawline. But if you were a darker skinned character, it really hid a lot of the facial features, like from below the neck and stuff. It really flattened the face. Uh, it looked dimly lit, and you really just could not see the jawline at all. So even from a development standpoint, these things need to be taken into account. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's such a good example. Like that's how um, like similar things are even happening, like to step away from video games for just like a hot second. Um, how dare there's, you? <laughs> I know, right? There's like facial recognition technology and it works great for light skinned people not so much for for dark skin, right? Like, yeah. like what are what are we doing, people? <laughs> um, so, yeah, same thing for video games, right? Like lighting, like you said, like it can be for some reason, so difficult to integrate representation. And part of the reason is because you don't have the right people doing the, doing that job, (laughs) like hire an artist who, who knows how that works. You know what I mean? Hire different artists who know how different skin tones work. Um, That's, that's okay. You can, we can always learn and be better and ask the people who, who are experts in this stuff and and hire them and bring them on. (laughs) It's okay. Oh, man. So, so Um, I guess. Oh, yeah. Go, go. go. If I may, I want to share with you a story that uh, one of my classmates shared with me. Okay. So, basically, my friend, he was telling me the story of back when he was doing his undergrad. He was a computing scientist as well. One of his friends uh, went up to him and said, Hey, I heard you like, you want to get into game development. And and my friend was like, Yeah. And then that, that guy told him, Well, I've made this game. Do you want to come test it out? And my friend was like, sure. And the guy get, uh, gave him the game Zip and he played it. It was just this first person perspective of a man going about their day, you know, like he mm-hmm. would get up, uh, he would walk to work, uh, get, get a taxi, get, get on a bus and uh, go to work. But throughout the entire time, people would like the NPCs would just look at you funny like oh the, yeah they would just like look they would glare at you they look angrily at you um strangers some strangers would yell at you when you got to your work your boss would start like hurling abuses at you and on the way back same thing people were glaring and at the it, it was a very short game by the way and at mm-hmm. the end of it he goes to the bathroom and the camera zooms out and you see that he's black and the my friend's friend leans over his shoulder looks him dead in the eye and says do you get it Oh my god! <laughs> Do you uh, get it? <laughs> Do you get it? And and my friend was just th- sitting there speechless because he's like, like, what do you say to that? Like, oh my, I don't know what I don't know what I would have done. Like, yeah, what do you? I can't. I can't. I can barely process what <laughs> you just told me. <laughs> yeah, bringing it back to just race representation in video games. It's you. You need. You need the viewpoint of someone who belongs to that group to kind of do that character justice. And that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, get them to develop it, but ask them to play it, you know, get their take. See see how they feel. Don't just go off on your own and think you know how, what other people go through. Yeah. Oh my God. So that's a really great example of a really bad example of how to do, how to do race. What what not not to do. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. What not to do. Don't be that um, guy. Don't be that guy. Oh my, that's, that's really, that's really something else. Yeah. I would, I would like to like hug your friend. basically. 
<laughs> oh. like a hug of solidarity. <laughs> oh, I did. I did. Good, good. Yeah. yeah, he really he really deserved that. Oh yeah. my goodness. Well, that's uh yeah, okay. I guess speaking of some examples, do we want to talk about some games that are are doing well um mm-hmm. with race representation or maybe not so well? Um, you know what? We've been we've been talking about depressing stuff for this for the last few minutes. Let's let's talk about a game that does it well. I want to mention Never Alone. <gasps> yes, great, great example. Yeah. So for those who don't know, Never Alone is a 3D side-scrolling platformer puzzle game. So Never Alone was developed by Upper One Games and tells the story of of an indigenous girl, and it's based on indigenous indigenous stories and indigenous storytelling, and they actually had indigenous people in their development team and they even consulted people from outside the development team to see you know hey was this done well what can we do better and it was just a perfect example of how to get the community involved in creating a story that's not often told yeah yeah it's such a beautiful example and what I love too is that they they like they asked the community if they would be interested in something like this you know it wasn't like they like they were making the community do the work for them. You know what I mean? It was like a beautiful, um, just like coming together of of groups of people who are really passionate about about this story and, and hearing the stories from from so many different people in the community and 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 creating these beautiful art pieces um, in the way that that they that they had this vision right, like fulfilling this this vision. Um, and it was it's a beautiful game. It's you know, I think they really nailed it. And I think the reason they nailed it is because they they involved the the community and the people whose who's these stories belonged to, you know? Exactly. Um, it's really it's yeah. really neat that you bring that up too, because th- those stories at the end of the day do belong to, the, to that group. And really making it without consulting them first is a, is a kind of stealing. Mm-hmm. And no one wants to do that. Uh, yeah, yeah, but it's also really neat. What I found the most interesting of this is that they still found a, the developers still found a way to make it their own. Uh, the biggest example is that the character in the original story was a young boy, but they decided to make it a young girl with the permission from the indigenous people. Yes, yeah, that was so special too that they could yeah. have like open conversations and be like, "Hey, this is what's going on in the games industry." Yeah. <laughs> Can the character be a girl? And yeah, and for the for the people that they were talking to to be like, yes, right? Like there was exactly. there were conversations being had. It was an open dialogue. It wasn't just like, hey, we're doing this. What do you think? Mm-hmm. There was like a relationship that was there, which is so awesome. Like it's so amazing to be able to like meet people through game design. Like that can be one of the most wonderful things is the people, the wonderful people that you get to interact with. Yeah. Um, I know the other side of that is the not so wonderful people that you get to interact with, but we're not going to talk about right now. The the wonderful people, right? Yeah. The connections that you can yeah. make. Um, that's awesome. That's like such a that's such a special part yeah. of game design. So I think Never Alone is a wonderful example. Um, something else that I am I am excited for and I'm hoping will live up to expectations is the new Spider-Man game featuring Miles Morales. Oh um, my god! Right? Does it look yeah. so good? Yeah. It so, looks amazing. Yes, I fell in love with Miles's character in the first Spider-Man game. It, was Miles in the first Spider-Man game? I haven't played it. it. Was yes. Oh my god! Was, I, um, a side character. You could play as him briefly, not as Spider-Man. He just oh my god. Oh, okay. I just um, mans- I'm just mansplained. I'm so you just mansplained me. No, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> now I have to put a quarter in the jar. Oh my god! Yeah, put a quarter. Oh man, I'm I'm a rich woman. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but. 
yeah, I like I saw his character in the first game and I was like, what a cool character. Like, I hope the second game is about him. Like, this needs to happen. And then Into the Spider-Verse came out and I was like, oh my God, like. <laughs> Once again, it goes back to that thing you mentioned where if you just take a white character and, you know, dial down the, the skin tone and make him black, that doesn't mean good diversity. They took Miles and made him his own Spider-Man. His his yeah. costume is different. His soundtrack is so steeped in his own uh, African American culture. He he has new abilities that Peter Parker does not even have. He has the Venom Strike and he can turn invisible. Yeah. Um, yeah so he they definitely took an established popular character and kind of rewrote it to make something new, but still has ties to the old. Yeah, exactly. Which is which is so amazing. Like I think. Like you said, like, that's the way to do it, right? It's not just taking an existing character and giving them a paint job. It's about <laughs> yeah. taking a new character um, or, or an old one that, you know, that maybe existed already that, that wasn't as in the spotlight. You know what I mean? Like, we had yeah. this character and now we're, we're making him what he's always deserved to be type of thing. Like, we're Amazing. giving him this arc and these, this family and these friends and these hopes and dreams and fears. Um, and he's a person now and so many people loved him. Um, and so that's why I'm, I'm so excited for the Miles Morales game. And I hope that it's everything that I want it to be, you know what I mean? I um, so. Yeah, I so I'm really so. looking forward to that and I'm so happy that, they, that they're that they making it basically. Praying for a better Indian Spider-Man next time. Yes, oh, we're, we're close, Rishi, there's you, gotta you, be. Brief tangent, do you want me to tell you all the bad things about the current Indian Spider-Man? Yes, please Okay, do. so, first of all, he's not really major, it's just kind of like a side thing that Marvel yeah, that's, that's what I understood about it is that it was just kind of like a yeah. Just a let side. me just start with the costume. All right, let's all, do it. They gave him they gave him those weird curly toed Aladdin shoes and no! and really like puffy white pants, but then like a long flowing like Spider Man like it's called a Shirwani in our uh, that that like uh, dressy looking thing, but they gave him a Spider Man version of it, and I just that makes no sense to me at all. First of all, that's usually not 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 all the time but usually formal attire so you would not wear that into battle second <laughs> like puffy pants and curly toed shoes really was it that hard to give him a normal spider-man suit why not just give him a web turban like i don't understand <laughs> oh my god a web turban like he yeah. shoots webs out of his turban <laughs> <laughs> or no just like a turban made of web oh i got you i got yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's better that makes more sense yeah. <laughs> well not really but still okay <laughs> Oh uh, my god, that's uh, terrible. I can't believe they did the curly Aladdin shoe thing. That's And then they also the way he got his powers wasn't from a radioactive spider. Can you guess how he got his powers, Shelby? I'm going to say something racist. So no, I'm not going to guess. Good answer. Um he, he got them from a yogi. No. Oh my, you're no, stop. A yogi was just praying one day and and then and and this man just, and this kid just walks up to him and the yogi's like, hey, you seem cool. With great power comes great responsibility. And he snapped his fingers and now he's Indian Spider-Man. Oh my God. Okay. So Rishi, just, just really briefly, do you just want to, because some people may not understand why that's problematic. Do you, yeah. <laughs> do you just real, real quick, just run through why, like maybe, maybe what you would have done in designing him. Let's do that. Let's do a redesign right now. Redesign of yeah. Spider-Man India? Oh man, this is. This is putting me on the spot, but I'm all for it. I believe you can do it, though. (laughs) Let's do it. Okay, so first of all... Okay, okay. (laughs) Sorry, this is not part of the podcast, but I just remembered. (laughs) 
Mary Jane is called Mira Jane. No! Aunt May is Aunt Maya. Oh my god. And Uncle Uncle Ben is Uncle Dim. It's like someone... Oh, God. Anyway, how I would redesign Spider-Man in India. First of all, what's wrong with him staying in the States? Why does he have to be in India? Don't get me wrong. Like, that's not inherently bad, but it's just... It feels disingenuous that they had to... Because he's Indian, he has to be in India. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would set him in New York. I don't see anything wrong with that. New York is kind of Spider-Man's turf. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Give him a normal Spider-Man suit, for one. Uh, <laughs> if, you, if you look up Spider-Man India's suit, it looks like you just took Peter Parker's uh, normal Spider-Man and replaced the bottoms with just pajamas. In the same, in the same way that Miles kind of got a unique black suit with his own custom Spider logo, it would be kind of cool to see Spider-Man India with maybe a costume based on a spider that only exists in India. I actually drew fan art of an Indian Spider-Man called the Crystal Orb Weaver Spider-Man based off the Crystal Orb Weaver Spider. And I made the costume just like with a different different color palette and the webs were gold because that spider is known for spinning gold webs. Oh, that's um, cool. Oh my yeah, God. Yeah. So it's just, it's little things like this that really little tie-ins to the culture, to his uh, origin that really kind of, help with the representation totally yeah i think and stuff that like makes sense for the character like miles miles loved graffiti and graffiti art and spray paint and like that's what he like literally spray painted his own suit you know Mm -hmm. what i mean like that's a part of him like as a human being (laughs) he's like that's what he's into so yeah having a spider-man the spider-man suit reflect the the human being underneath and just not just like where they're from you know what i mean Precisely. Um, that's so cool. I love that idea, Rishi. That you should you should have designed. Him. <laughs> I, I should have. You should have. Oh my god! Because you... even um, like even Spider Gwen, like she does ballet, and so the shoes mm. she wears are like little turquoise ballet slippers, which is so cool, but also functional because yeah. like <laughs> it's not like they get in the way. It's just different yeah. shoes. <laughs> even even down to her eyebrow piercing, like she's punk as hell, right? She's yeah, a exactly. dr- she's, she's a drummer in a rock band. Hell yeah. yeah. No, that's awesome. That was so cool. Thank you for off the off the top, just kind of <laughs> going for it there. It, improv. Improv. Amazing. Yeah. So that's actually a really good segue into um, a conversation I want to have as, as we near the end here, which is how to be better game designers when it comes to designing race in games. And Rishi, something that you're doing right now, which I am, I am so, you know, overjoyed for you and proud of you um for oh, being able to you. make this for being able to make this game that you've that you wanted to make um or at least one of the games that you wanted to yeah. make for so long you know um so i would love to talk to you about the whites of their eyes and your 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 beautiful main character and and the design considerations that you and your team are taking um so if you just want to talk a little bit about that i would personally love to hear more about it the game i'm making is very heavily based off of shadow of the colossus and for those who don't know it's a very uh minimalist third-person kind of action puzzle game where you're just a guy with a sword, a bow and arrow, and a horse, and you're tasked with slaying 16 giant creatures called the Colossi. And my game kind of follows a similar gameplay loop where you get to a giant enemy, you figure out how to... You you take the affordances given by the game into account and figure out a strategy to defeat it, one of the things I refused to back down on was that I wanted the game to have kind of like 
an Indian cultural background. And for that, I wanted um, Indian main character. And after it took a little bit of convincing to convince my teammates, honestly, but I think it was worth it in the end. They, the more they read into the character designs that I had in mind and the cultural influences that I that I had in mind, the more they loved it. For example, one of the mechanics in our game is that you have this rope of infinite length, and you can use it to swing across gaps, pull down obstacles, whatever. And the head of this this rope, this grappling hook, is the it looks like a king cobra. And in ancient Indian mythology, the king cobra is literally a symbol for infinity. So we thought, why not mesh those two together? That's uh, so cool. And that's just one of the one of the little cultural uh, things that we uh, had to keep in mind. And there were there when when I pitched this idea to my concept artist, they came up, they did their research, they created a bunch of mood boards, and there were some designs that we just had to reject because I explained to them that these kind of carry heavy religious and cultural uh, connotations right now that mm-hmm. we just can't use them. For example, mm-hmm. one of the one of the designs that one of my artists came up with was the main character wearing this flower necklace, which uh, we had to say no to because the flower necklace has a very important meaning, chief of which is when you get married in India, you put on you put that flower necklace on your betrothed. So it's a very sacred thing. Mm-hmm. So if it has important meaning in that sense we don't want to really take away from that we don't want to we don't want pe- we, we basically don't want to put a reason for people to get angry in our games so we just thought <laughs> you know what let's not risk it flower necklaces aren't tactical anyway that's true that's a yeah. good point the tactility yeah. of a flower necklace is not worth the <laughs> exactly not worth it yeah and we're designing the lighting model based on you know making sure that this character's color palette is the best that it can be. Like you can see his features, you can see the little details, everything down to what clothing he wears is was uh, was researched. The environment uh, and the ruins in in the environment will be based off like uh, plants in India, ancient Indian ruins. Um, I'm very excited for this game, and we're putting a lot of work into it. So. That's so amazing. It sounds so amazing. And I think, you know, the the special part is that the team has you, you know what I mean? You, Rishi, yeah. I don't know if you know this, but you're Indian and <laughs> oh, <really>? I know. <laughs> now you're no, but, but, <laughs> know. Your, you know, your experience, your passion, your knowledge of exactly what you want to make and having your team be behind you and supporting you and all of you doing research and working together as a unit, right? To have to have your experiences and, and their experiences and worldviews all kind of translate into this, this, this beautiful project that you're going to end up with. And I think that's so cool. That's kind of like, that's what we've been saying the whole time is that having people who, who are the characters or who are a piece of the characters that you're creating you know, like that's so important and it makes it makes a better game. <laughs> and I, I also want to add that, like, even even people, uh, other Indian people that I show this game to get super excited the moment I show them the main character. Like they, yeah. they immediately recognize this. They immediately recognize it as uh, a character that has uh, Indian origin. And you should see their face when they get, when they realize that, you know, Indian people can be in games. It's just other, no one else has done it before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that excitement, that joy. And that's why I'm, you know, I always say, like, everyone deserves to see themselves in games. Yeah. Like, that's just, like, period. Like, you can't, 
you can't argue with me on that one. And I, and and not just for somebody to be able to see themselves and think, oh, that's me, which is wonderful, but also for other people to see so many other people in games and realize that that's normal. You know what I mean? To normalize the idea that so many, so many people exist in the world and everyone, everyone is wonderful. Everyone deserves to see that represented in in the, the media that we interact with and that we play. Um, that's so important. So I think, you know, you're, you're contributing to that. You're, you're helping to, to introduce people to this idea that, Hey, Indian people can be in video games, you know? Yeah, they can. Yeah. 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 I also want to, I want to address one, one more thing about how I, I, and I hear this a lot, especially when I uh, talk about this on Twitter Mm -hmm. is stop bringing politics into my fantasy or stop bringing politics into my sci-fi. I guess one of my final closing thoughts is there's no such thing as non-political sci-fi or non-political fantasy. Mm-hmm. Everything is rooted in some culture, even down to, for example, if your characters in your sci-fi world are eating with a fork and knife. Yeah. Why aren't, why aren't they eating with chopsticks? I don't know. It's just one thing. It, it, it was an interesting thing that I read that really got me thinking. Yeah, yeah. That idea <laughs> that um, the reason we should stay away from any type of representation that isn't the default is because, oh, well, that suddenly makes the game political. Um, but I don't I don't personally see an issue with that at all. Like, for one, it's already political. Like you said, they're just not yeah. not noticing because it's the default. <laughs> um, exactly. But also it's it's great to make people feel uncomfortable. <laughs> you know, yeah. we, we should be feeling uncomfortable and, and pushing ourselves um, because that's that's how you get comfortable, you know what I mean? Is by by growing, and there are growing pains involved, but that's all part of it, you know? <laughs> yeah. At the end of the day, designing and building video games is about designing and building experiences. So hopefully, I will allow you to experience some part of Indian culture. And who wouldn't want that? Exactly. Who wouldn't want yeah. that? Yeah. Well, I'm I'm so excited to play it. I've already I got to play a little bit of it, a demo that you sent over, and it's already off to such an amazing start. You have like rope physics down, so that's you know literally <laughs> incredible. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. Huge congratulations to you and your team. So 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 wonderful. I'm so excited. Um. So let's do let's do some final thoughts here, Rishi. What can we do to better represent everyone as game devs in video games really look at the distribution of characters in games right now and think what can i do differently um if you're if you want to make a game and you and your gut instinct is to make a white male character it's worth asking yourself huh why did i just do that and that's it it might make you uncomfortable like you said i think that's a good thing that's the only way you'll grow but just recognize the trend that gaming has and consciously work to fight against it. Yeah, absolutely. There you have it. Well, Rishi, thank you. Thank you so much for being here with me today, for talking with me about this stuff. You know, I always I always love to talk to you about stuff like this. So it's amazing that we were able to do it on the podcast and, and hopefully bring it to other people and we can maybe start a bigger conversation or, or everybody can learn some stuff. Um, this has I been... So. Yeah, right? Thank you <laughs> so much. Been, this, of course. Yeah. Seriously, this it, it's an honor to be on here. Thank you so much for inviting me. I feel so acknowledged. And I really, really hope that you will enjoy my final game coming out mid-August. 
Oh, you bet I will. And I will have all of your stuff linked in the show notes. So if people want to follow you or your game dev team to keep up with your game, uh, they can do that very easily. <laughs> Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for being here, Rishi. We'll see you. Uh, I'll see you later, I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> Even though you're in Toronto. You <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you haven't heard the last of me. See ya. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Panic Mode. You can follow Rishi at the Rishi Barnwall and or his game at On Thin Ice Games, linked in the show notes. You can also reach us on social media at panicmode.net, all spelled out, or on our website, panicmode.net. We would love to hear any comments, questions, or feedback you have about today's episode, and we'll be back next time where we'll return to talking about asymmetric games. We'll see you then.